This is Camp Life, The Other Side. A bi-weekly podcast for summer camp professionals. Hosted by Kelly Cook and Natalie Hamilton. Now it's time to explore the other side of summer camp. Welcome back to another episode of Scamp Life, The Other Side. Kelly and Natalie are here again today, and I'm talking about myself in the third person. Woohoo! That's the type of day we're having. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, here we are again. I hope you've been enjoying our podcast. We've been, had some pretty interesting episodes, if I do say so myself, but I guess I could be biased. So today... Okay, I'm going to toot Natalie's horn because this was an awesome idea and she should toot her own horn because this was an awesome idea. So as everybody else is having trouble staffing, I am too. You're not alone. I, I am struggling as well. We, Natalie, by we, I mean Natalie, decided that it was a good idea to get in front of high school students. Okay, cool. We all do that. We all talk about our job and all those things and try to get people to to work for us and yada, yada, yada. Well, she decided to come up with a really awesome survey. And this survey is not just for camps. This survey is seasonal work in general. And today we're going to share with you some of our our survey results uh, just so that everybody can kind of get an idea. Uh, Unfortunately, we did only have one school that had a good amount of responses uh, complete the survey of ninth through 12th grade. Then I'll let Natalie go into more in depth, but we're gonna share the results with you. uh, Talk about what we've learned here from a school in Northern Alabama and kind kind of go through that with you. And then we've got some cool stuff to share at the end of the podcast pertaining to the survey. So go for it, Matt. Yeah, so I think more context is how this came about is also (laughs) a funny story. We were dropping off flyers at a school and stressing over how the fact that our registration numbers are skyrocketing right now, yet our staffing numbers are not moving at this point in time. We don't even have applications coming in. (laughs) So again, when we say we feel your pain, if you're having staffing issues, we feel your pain, I promise you. Um, So we had dropped off these flyers. We had run a couple other errands for some things we needed for camp. And we're like, let's go get some lunch. And so we're sitting, eating lunch at Chicken Salad Chick, which we had never been to and we both wanted to try. So we- It's really good for anybody in this area (laughs) or whoever has one. It's really good. Maybe it was the brain food that we needed from chicken salad chick. I don't know. But anyway, we had this idea. I had this idea of what if we were able to get a hold of high school students and again, kind of figure out what is important to them when they are looking for work in general, not just seasonal work, but just work in general. What are they valuing? What are they looking for? What's important to them? And so we decided to make up this survey. And we have a couple ins at a couple of our high schools. So by the time this or, or this podcast actually drops, hopefully we'll have more, more schools that have completed it at that point in time. But we were going to a career fair at one of our local high schools, one that is closest to us. So we're like, why not give it a shot? See if we can get some responses and again, kind of talk to them and figure out what is important and make it not a camp specific or camp focused survey, but just seasonal work in general. Because there are other seasonal jobs out there that are also struggling your theme parks your resorts the water parks you know all of those types of parks and rec those those jobs that rely heavily on seasonal employment 
in any season, winter, spring, summer, fall, are all really struggling to, to bring in those, those staff. So I wanted to make something that was not camp specific. It could kind of apply to anyone, but target those, that population that most of us hire, which is that, you know, some of us start hiring at 16, 17, some are only hiring at 18, but that late high school, early college years is what most of us are targeting when it comes to our staff. So we made up this survey. We had lots of fun making it up. Um, anyone who knows me knows me, I am technologically challenged. So the fact that I had to do this on a Google form was funny as all can be trying to get it to work in the first place, but we got it. And it, it didn't take too long. And we actually had a really good response at the career fair of the high school we were going to. And a lot of the responses are things that we, we had been hearing, we kind of thought was what's going on, things that we thought that was important to us or to them or that population. But there are also some things that were a little bit of a shock or a little bit of a surprise, or it was just nice to have actual data um, to, to back up that point or back up that viewpoint. Also, so, so I know where to put budget money towards in making these decisions to try and get more staff. Yeah. So we're not going to go through the demographics of the questions just because there's not a whole lot to talk about there. But we started off with, you know, asking them if they had worked in any kind of seasonal employment before. And then if, if yes, what kind? And we're in rural Alabama. And so it was interesting to see kind of, we really didn't have that many farm hands or ranch hands. I feel like in, in comparison to what I, what I had expected, at least, you yeah. know, I definitely thought we being in rural Alabama, I definitely thought we were going to have a few more than we did. We did have a large number, but just not, I thought it'd be the majority, but yeah. Yeah, so the school that we went to is Brewer High School. Um, again, it is the one that is closest to us. It's one that we probably pulled the most of our staff from um, in, in the past couple of years. And Brewer is an interesting mix. And I think this is the other piece going forward, why we want to gather more schools is because Brewer is, we are in a very rural area, but it's also a very diverse school. Um, it is a feeder school for a lot of our Title I schools, our Title I elementary schools around the area. Um, it is a very rural, so you have a lot of farming, agriculture-based families and employment in the area. We have a large migrant worker or um, just migrant population in general, but we're also close enough to Huntsville is the closest big city we're to and land prices are cheap out this way. So there are a lot of families that are more well off, more you know prominent socioeconomically and they live out this way, but they commute into Huntsville. It's still commutable distance and you can get a lot more for your money, a lot more land for your money out this way. So Brewer is a melting pot of a lot of different socioeconomic classes, a lot of ethnic classes. Yes, it is still primarily a white school, but there is more diversity there than in some of the other high schools that we have in our area for sure. So we were able to get a, a lot more of a better, and I think a better sense of, of what kids in that age in general are looking for. And so, yeah, you talked about how we were, we are in a very rural area. There are cotton farms, hay farms, soybean farms, everything around here all over the place. So when only is about 19 or 18% of 
the kids who said they have had seasonal employment have had that farmer ranch. Most of the others is some sort of customer service, food or beverage, fast food restaurants type type employment, which is common for for what you know most most kids in that age are looking at. Only about what was it? Only about maybe ten percent total of all of those answers said that they worked in something that was either recreation focused, like a water park, parts and rec camp, or something youth development wise, daycare, babysitting, something of that sort. So very small percentage were even interested in working in something in that capacity. Most of them were interested in or had already had previous experience in that, that fast food, which is not a surprise. That's, that's pretty common and what we kind of expected. Yeah, absolutely. And what also too was, was interesting is when you asked the question about financial responsibility and if that drove employment, 12 to 13% say that they did have to help and assist paying bills at home. So for those of us who are looking at what we're paying staff, just kind of keep that in mind for your high schoolers. But it does seem that the biggest response that we got at about 65% was fund the money, just fun spending money for whatever you want in high school. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, about 60% said fund money about 45 or sorry, almost 50% said that they were saving for large purchases and they could pick multiple options as well for this. So it wasn't just one option. They could pick multiple. Um, and 43% said they were saving for saving for college themselves or higher education in general for themselves. What I was very happy to see though, however, was our next question on that is besides a paycheck, what skills would you want to gain? And 72% said leadership. That makes me happy because at least our high schoolers are wanting those, those skills so it's not just things such as, and yes, people did select customer service, you know, trade specific skills, financial budget, different, different things like that. But it was nice to see that they want, they want leadership. They want, they want to be leaders. They want to clearly kind of have an edge as they're, they're looking forward, which is really nice to see. And cause that's definitely something in, in our industry in youth development that we're always promoting. So, so now I feel like we just got to be able to able to show them how to put it on a resume. Yeah. And that was the next highest one was college res college and or resume boosting experiences. That was the next highest or most selected option. So I, we always are talking about how, how can we sell the, the skills that they learn at camp going forward into their next their next job their next position their next career so again just more data backing that that's what we need to be providing them we need to be providing them with with the skills that they can put on a resume and how to put it on a resume and how to sell that camp experience as a staff member to make that more appealing going forward to other positions yeah so the next one we asked was what is an appro- what do you feel is an appropriate wage for an entry level seasonal role? And so this is the question we kind of went back and forth and I was like, these are high schoolers. I don't just want to leave it as an open-ended and then they put like $40 an hour and put something <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. So we did it as a, as an option. And so the lowest option we had was $7.25 an hour, which is minimum wage for us here. And then the highest was $15 plus an hour. And there are a couple options in between. And 50% of the, the students that took the survey 
said that they believe an appropriate starting wage for an entry level seasonal role was in the 10 to $12 an hour range, which is way more than most all camps can afford to pay. <laughs> more than we pay for it's sure more than we pay absolutely second to that was eight to nine dollars an hour um and then third was the minimum wage was appropriate and very small margin of people said that we're talking nine nine percent of them said minimum wage 51 percent said 10 to 12 and then almost 27 percent said eight to nine 725 is the minimum wage for us here and they are saying that they feel more appropriate is four, almost $5 an hour more than what minimum mm -hmm. wage is, is what they feel is appropriate for what many would consider a minimum wage type job. So, you know, again, we're always talking about staff pay and how we can increase staff pay. It's just more numbers to, to back of camps on a minimum. Maybe we need to change that mentality of camp is not an entry level job. Camps are not a minimum wage job. And so how can we go forward with that? Yeah. I think too, it was interesting to see that because you asked the question in there, like how do they want to see how the job is laid out in terms of pay, whether it be mm -hmm. an hourly rate, a weekly rate or a monthly rate, because in seasonal, if you pay salaried, like many overnight camps do, and we do, you know, we, we say that it's X dollars a week that you earn. Whereas some contractual jobs, true contractual, like you have a contract and this is how much you'll make in your contract, will give you the per month rate or the contract rate. Like you work the, the whole per month, season, the, the yeah. whole per season. And then there's also camps that pay hourly and many, you know, many lifeguards get paid hourly at the amusement parks and things like that. And it was interesting that see that regardless if it's the same amount. So the example you gave in the, in the survey was $10 per hour, $400 per week, or $1,600 per month. All that's all equaling $10 an hour at a 40 hour work week. They would prefer to read it as hourly, which I found really interesting because I feel like for me, if I know that I'm already working 40 hours, like it's a day camp, I would prefer to know how much I'm getting per week. Just because, I mean, I'm there. If, I, if I'm going to be there the whole week, how much am I going to be there the whole week? I mean, granted, when I was a counselor, I, I did want to figure it out hourly, but that's also because I worked overnight camp and we also try to figure it out in a 24-hour period, which is not correct by any yeah. means. But uh, yeah, so no, that was definitely really interesting because we advertise per week. And so, because we pay per week. And, you know, we talked about overnight camps, you can't charge hourly for overnight camps. There's absolutely no way unless you're you know, hiring triple the staff to cover all of the 24 <laughs> hours of the shift. Um, so, so again, yeah, there, there's not much change that can happen in that realm, but there is something to be said about upping staff pay in general to, again, make those, those per week and the per month, that's how you have to advertise definitely more appealing. Yeah, absolutely. These next couple questions got a little scary. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The, these next two. And then I think we'll jump to the one above it. And uh, mm -hmm. so the, the, the next question that I think stood out to us definitely was a little scary because the question was, because many of us employ seasonally, we, we plan very much ahead of time, right? I mean, I've been trying to hire since October of last year 
and we are still nowhere near where we need to be. So that being said, you know, everybody starts their, their hiring process differently, but the range we gave on the survey was three to six months in advance. And if you were looking for a seasonal role at this time, how early could you comfortably accept the position? The top answer was two to three weeks, two to three weeks. Yep. That was the gut-wrenching one. And this is something that, again, I feel like we've talked about it and it is not, it's not a new concept to camps, but it's more disheartening when you have it on paper as opposed to just a, hey, maybe that's what's going on. No, and they actually say that the, the earliest that they would feel comfortable accepting a position is two to three weeks out. With how we operate as camps as a whole, that is terrifying. And that was 30, almost 36% of them said they could only commit something that far out. The next most popular was at 33% said the most that they would feel comfortable um, as far out as they would feel comfortable accepting the position is one to two months. We're not even there yet for us. Yes. We're not at one to two months yet. Maybe by the time yeah. the podcast drops, it'll be at one to two months. Well, it'll yeah. be about two months. Yeah. But when we're recording this, this is early March. We don't start till end of May, mid-May, end of May. So we're not even there yet. Yeah. So yeah, when 75%, essentially 75% of the students that we asked said that the earliest they could, or would we want to commit is two months out. It really got Kelly and I thinking about like, well, crap, how do we do this? Because <laughs> like we said earlier, and I know lots of camps are in the same boat, your registration numbers are skyrocketing. They are through the roof. We are way ahead of our camper weeks this year than we have ever been before. We are already more than halfway full for our entire summer and we do not have the staff for it. Nope. Um, some of our programs are already full. I mean, my horse programs, my, my biggest horse program filled within 24 hours of opening it back in October, 24 hours and it was full with a waiting list. And you have wait lists October. right now too that are as long as the program holds. Yeah, I have wait lists <laughs> that are as big as the program, which is ridiculous to even think through and scary on that. It's a whole other conversation, whole other topic. <laughs> but how many else are, uh, how many others of us are in that same boat where we are almost completely full, already full, having to limit weeks, having to cap weeks way lower than maybe you can financially afford to or budgetary wise afford to because we're not getting staff what happens if we get to may because again our our schools let out pretty early and so we start first week of june basically we start camp and then we're done by july because our our schools go back so early in august but how, what can we do to to not get to that point where we either have to cancel camp outright because we don't have the staff, turn people away and say, sorry, we cannot accommodate that many kids. We have to cancel your registration or just say, hey, two of our staff called out sick today and now we don't have enough staff to function. So we have to cancel for the day. We don't want any of those options. We don't want to run outside of ratios. We don't want to stress ourselves, ourselves or our staff out in that capacity just because we have all these kids that want to come, which is a great problem to have, but we don't have the staff to do it safely. So th that question really 
helped us and kind of lit a fire under us to to make some changes to our registrations. So we are slowing down our registrations. We capped 30% of where we were supposed At to be. At least. At least. We're about, we, we capped about 30% less of where we were hoping to be and expecting to be right now at this point in time just to give us some time to get some more staff in and that way if we don't get the staff in one to two months when they are saying they are comfortable starting to consider those types of positions we are not overextending ourselves and then as staff come in as we can confirm as we feel more comfortable we can let people in off the wait list and you know continue to grow but I mean, yes, it's going to be a financial hit for us, but we would rather take the financial hit than have to deal with the reputation of being the camp that had to cancel. And then, you know, I don't know if, if the commitment portion of it is the reason they can work an entire season or, or truly commit. But the question that we had above above the three to six month range was what restrictions are preventing you from committing to a full season. So we have a lot of people right now asking us, can I just work Mondays and Tuesdays? Can I just work, you know, a half day? Can I just do different things like that? And for, for camp, it's like school, you have a certain amount of hours. You have to have kids here. The kids don't have that option for us. We're not a half day camp. We're not a, a three day a week camp. We don't have those options. Our kids are here the full week. So as expected, though, sports was the biggest reason why staff can't commit. Well, it brings up the comment and the question we've asked is, can camps be more flexible with their staff schedule? Thankfully, we are a day camp. And so, you know, we some of the things, not that we want to, but some of the things we have thrown out as options of do we do half day staff where you have different staff in the morning versus the afternoon or half week someone works monday through wednesday someone works wednesday through friday now yes that all has impact on your camper experience and we don't want to but is that an option to at least get good quality staff because then they have the flexibility to to handle what other what other whatever other commitments they already have the next one that was the most popular what was actually tied, it was almost at 30% each. And the first one was family vacations or travel desires. And we saw that a lot this past summer mm -hmm. or last summer of staff, you know, a week before, hey, we wanna go to the beach for five days. And there's five of the staff friends that wanna go. And we're like, we can't have all of you gone at the same time, I'm sorry. But that, that definitely that desire to want to go on long weekends or true family vacations is, is very prominent. But then equally is family needs. And that one didn't have one that was expanded upon necessarily, but at least 30% said that they would not be able to commit to an entire season because of whatever those family needs are, whether that is needing financial help for them, whether that is, you know, taking care of siblings, family members, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was also interesting too, because so we, even though we're a day camp, we have limited housing that we can provide staff. Right. And I know overnight camps, you guys have housing for your, for whatever staff you hire counselors program, et cetera. A lot of ski resorts and things provide housing for, for their staff that they bring in seasonally and things like that. 
So we, we preface the question with, if housing was provided, how far would you be willing to travel? Now, for me, when I was working seasonally, I wanted to travel the, the whole country. I, I mean, I looked even as far as Australia wanting to travel to, to work, but that was me. And I, I mean, I love to travel. And some of your diehard seasonal people do it for the travel, for sure. But in terms of high school, who are not your diehard seasonal staffers, the biggest answer was only within two to three hours of home. That's the biggest answer that's true, was up none. To. They wouldn't travel at all. That's 43% of them said they would. it has to be something that is local. All, uh, the next biggest was at 35%. Okay. That was within two to three hours of home. Uh, sorry, overnight camps. <laughs> Here's where I'm glad I'm a day camp. But also it's our struggle because we don't have housing options to begin with. So we are super reliant on truly local staff. How many do we have for international? Like one, one answer, one. (laughs) (laughs) One person out of all of them, 1% said that they would consider working internationally. The other two options were within neighboring states was about 8% and then only 11%, 12% so that they would go anywhere in the U.S., you know, and, and with these, these staffing questions that everyone keeps posing, you know, find other ways to, if you can't up the pay, find other ways to give them benefits, give something, show them that they're getting more out of it than just pay. So we asked, we asked the question, what benefits would you like to see from your employer in a seasonal role? Meals were the biggest. And then the second highest was a flexible schedule. Yeah, and, and that's the hard part. Again, we talk about all of these jobs out there <clears throat> that you, you can go into as an entry level with minimal skills set behind it that give, for the most part, flexible schedule. I mean, we have a water park that's really close to us. They're, they're kind of our biggest competitor, you could say, for, for staffing. At least um, for lifeguards. Yeah, we, we, we tend to take a lot of lifeguards or share lifeguards amongst the two of us. Um, but that was their big thing is we'll work with your schedule. We'll work with your schedule. Um, and, and I know they do, I know they are really good about trying to at least overstaff so that way they can, Hey, we want to take that last minute three day weekend. It's possible they can do that. But again, some of the other benefits we asked them, if that would be something they would be interested in or would be important to them are things that most seasonal positions don't offer. Um, So I know there's been some conversations before about travel or relocation assistance. So if you would help cover the cost of someone moving across the country for for the summer, most of us, at least as far as I know, most of us don't do that. Most of us don't provide that. But about 10% of them said that that would be something that they would find as a benefit Again, flexible schedule was a big one. Um, the one other big one is they wanted evenings and weekends off. Not something that can necessarily always be done in a camp environment. S- either childcare, sibling or family discounts was a one that they were interested in a lot. Um, bonuses was another high high one. Advancement opportunities, and again, we're, we're going to have the the link for this survey down in the show notes, so you can actually go through and see all of this. But 
yes, some people said they would be benefits, something they would be enjoy, enjoy, but the flexible schedule was, besides meals, the flexible schedule was the biggest and employee discounts. And that's another thing. What employee discounts could we really offer? Camp store. At a camp. <laughs> exactly. The camp store. The camp store discount. But I mean, I mean we do thing. give we do give our, you know, our bus drivers, our kitchen staff if they've got kids. I'm also willing to look at siblings of of staff that we hire and, and give them discounts. Uh, you know, if they're their siblings, their children, their grandchildren want to mm-hmm. sign up for camp. We we do that. Uh, yeah. We don't advertise it necessarily because we primarily hire, you know, 18 year olds or younger, you know, 17, 18 year olds. So it's not always advertised. However, if it is brought up and they bring it up in an interview, oh, my sibling wants to come to camp or, you know, I have two kids. Would I be able to have them at camp with me or, or whatever? Then I do definitely talk to them about it. Well, I mean, we're not McDonald's. <laughs> we're not Walmart. <laughs> You're not going to get an employee discount on clothes or, or fun things or an employee discount to, to get into the water park for free or things like that you know so what what are maybe some outside the box discounts or other incentives that we might be able to provide to employees again it's going to be case by case camp by camp or just seasonal facility to seasonal facility but you know a lot of them that was probably the second yeah that was the third highest or third most popular answer was that is something that would be important to them yeah and then the the follow-up kind of question to that was if if a, if you were interested in a position that had a potentially lower than average starting pay or wage, if if those benefits that were super important to you were available, would would you still be interested in that position? So if one or most of those you know benefits were an option, would you still be interested in working for that lower pay? Forty six percent said yes. 35% said maybe, the rest said no. So again, I think the no was a little bit higher than I was expecting. Um, and even the maybe was higher than I was expecting. Yeah. So again, they they are not, at least this generation coming up, are not valuing those benefits as much as previous generations. You know, it, it is that mentality shift of, a lot of people believe and feel that those benefits should be a part of any job and you should be able to have those benefits as well as a higher than most camps can pay, pay rate, pay wage associated with that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's been a really interesting survey for sure. I mean, we had a, the last question we asked, we asked an open-ended question of, of what do you value from an employer, either in a seasonal role or a year round capacity the big answers for that one was honesty and what was it? Respect. I remember seeing the other respect one respect was on there pretty high. Honesty was, and just feeling that they are listened to. I mean, yeah. there are a couple of different variations of that wording, but basically the, yeah, honesty, respect, and then feeling that they are valued, feeling that they are are wanted and needed and listened to in by their employer were were the the biggest things that they said that they valued in in someone when they're looking for a, a not just seasonal role any job in general yeah 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 and so the very last question that we asked and 
again, this is one that they could pick multiple options for, but we, we wanted to know what barriers are they facing? And, you know, I don't particularly like the word barriers, but what restrictions do they have? What, what is preventing them from wanting to apply or work for seasonal role, completing a seasonal role, any of those barriers that they might have? And the two most popular, which were pretty even as far as numbers of responses, was one was transportation barriers, which coming from the school that we did that, we got most of the responses that does not surprise me. You know, if this was done at a private school, if this was done at a school that has historically a more affluent area, that might not be an issue. Um, and then pretty equal to that was family responsibility. So some family responsibility at home that prevents them or make it really difficult for them to work, work in a seasonal capacity. And I wouldn't be surprised if that family responsibility is like watching siblings because mm -hmm. it's such a, you know, so many people in this area do work. A lot of their parents do like both, both parents work, or yeah. we also do have a lot of parents who are on disability in this area as well, because mm -hmm. it is a lower price point for housing and, and different things like that. So I could see that if they have to go to work, their parents, that they are there because they are the high school kids, they are probably watching their, their siblings if they have any. Yeah, and then the next two popular ones are, are no surprise to us. Um, that were the most popular was wages, mm -hmm. wages not being high enough, and then long hours. Yep. Which again, yeah, long hours is, it's a part of camp. If you go into camping expecting you're not going to work, or you're only going to work your, you know, nine to five, it's just not going to happen. Unfortunately, nope. it's not, not the way that we operate. So can we do it differently? I don't know. Again, day camps have a lot more flexibility with that. Overnight camps are stuck in a lot of those, those areas, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. This is a lot of great insight. Good job, Nat. Thanks. <laughs> I had fun with it. Good. I'm really enjoying basically the career, basically the career fair was Kelly talking to kids and I'm like getting them to fill out the survey. And then I go check the response. I'm like, Ooh, well, that was a Ooh, that one said that, or Ooh, that group said that. And I'm trying to get them to apply so that I can do some interviews, but yeah, no, it was, it was a really awesome experience. I think it was really great to see everything. Uh, some fun things. We will definitely provide the results of our survey in our show notes for sure. But now we've got a big ask for our listeners. Uh, and our our seasonal community is that we've got a survey for you all to send to your high schools. Uh, so Natalie has essentially duplicated what we what we asked. We've we've adjusted something, so we're not going to ask exactly what high school you went to. We're going to ask by state. There's a couple other demographical, I think, questions, right? That you've tweaked mm -hmm. that we're going to yeah. put out there, and uh, we we want you to put it out to your high schoolers, and we will be happy to share the results across the board, but we want to take this national. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, use it as a tool to, to help our industry as a whole going forward. You know, I would love to see the responses from, from other camps that are in a similar or geographical region, maybe a similar socioeconomic capacity, but across on the others, on the other coasts or in completely you no know, other states. 
heck, even different country. If you are from a different country and you're listening to this and you would like to, to ask this to whatever level of, of students that you typically tend to hire, please do by all means. We, we'd love to get more information. We'd love to have this as just a running document essentially for everyone to benefit from. And then take that information to your other directors, your seasonal staff, your board, your higher ups to, to again, kind of help have those conversations of, okay, what is common in your area? What are the trends and what can we do to help ourselves going forward? Because the staffing issue is not gonna go away. It's just gonna get worse. We all know it. So can we get ahead of the game? Are, are there ways for us to, to make changes now and implement changes now that are going to benefit all of us down the road? Yeah, I'm excited for that. I hope you guys are excited as we are to see the results come through. We will definitely be getting it out to all the avenues that, uh, you know, have this. So once we have the results of the national one, we'll put it on Summer Camp Pro's Facebook. There's some seasonal worker Facebooks. I'll definitely put it on the Scamp Life uh, page as well. Probably put a blog post up for Kurt so that he can publish them on his website for us. And so that you guys have access to the results of the national survey as well, because it's important for sure. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this a uh, little bit different from our normal. We had data and everything that, you know, backed it up, not just, you know, Natalie and I arguing or spinning our, our thoughts, which was really cool. Uh, but again, we hope you are enjoying this podcast feel free to give us, you know, five-star rating on any of those, those sites that you're listening on. Uh, more stars puts us higher up so that we can, uh, more people can see us and listen to us. Uh, but also too, if you've got a question about today's episode or any of the episodes that you have heard, or you just have a question you want to pose for Natalie and I to discuss, or you come on and discuss it with us, please reach out. Our contact information is in the show notes. Feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody.